Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Oh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we are speaking with Dr. Rian Eisler. Rianne has been here before with us, and we couldn't wait to talk to her again. Um, Rianne is the best-selling author of The Real Wealth of Nations, Creating a Caring Economics. Her previous books have included um, other bestsellers, The Chalice and the Blade, Our History, Our Future, The Power of Partnership, Tomorrow's Children, and Sacred Pleasure. The... Um, world is really needing Rianne's message right now, and uh, we are so grateful to have you here, Rianne. Welcome. Always a pleasure to be with you. Oh, delightful. So tell me, where are you today? I'm home, which oh. is the wonder of this whole wonderful thing that we can do it by telephone. Isn't that great? And it's slightly drizzling, and I live on the Monterey Peninsula in California. Oh, how nice. Oh, how great. Well, we are very um, lucky to have you here today. You know, our world is in the midst of quite an amazing shift um, economically. And I dare say it's not just economically. I believe it may even be a huge philosophical shift or a shift of principles that we may be undergoing. So just so everyone has context, um, today is February 6, 2009, and you may be listening to this live or you may be listening to this later offline, Um, but we are in the midst in the U.S. and globally of huge economic change. So, Rianne, you have studied, um, you are a social scientist, so you have studied the concept of economics from through that lens for a very long time. So what do you think is going on now? What's happening now? What we are told, of course, is that this is um, a temporary blip. But the reality of it is that Our economic crisis right now isn't only due to unregulated capitalism, and that certainly is a factor. Uh, We are in the midst of really a tectonic shift. First of all, economically and technologically, we're in the midst of a shift from an industrial to a post-industrial society. So a lot of the jobs that are disappearing right now are not coming back because the more we move into the post-industrial knowledge information economy, the more there will be automation, robotics. It's already happened, hasn't it? It absolutely has. And yet what's so curious is that nothing is being said about this in the media or in the political conversation. Hmm. Well, why do you think that is? Well, I think that we've gotten into the habit, almost like grazing animals, you know, to just look at the short term. And I think this is really a time to use the crisis as an opportunity. Uh, The most important, just in purely economic terms, the most important investment a nation can make, especially 
for the post-industrial knowledge information economy is in what economists like to call high-quality human capital. That is capacity development, and that starts in childhood. And we have, for example, nations that have done this, uh, Nordic nations like Sweden, Finland, Norway, they're not perfect, but they were very, very, very poor at the beginning of the 20th century. Today, they are not only in the highest ranks regularly of the United Nations Human Development Reports, but of the World Economic Forum's Global Competitiveness Reports. And the reason, very simply, they have very caring policies. In fact, they're not socialist nations. They're a mix of market and central planning, but they call themselves often caring societies, and a lot of their policies invest in capacity development starting in early childhood. So we have success stories that we can look at, models we can look at, and I am proposing in op-eds, in a position paper that I've written, that the most important investment in job creation is in training, development, and subsidies of of the jobs that are in the child care, education, in that sector. And, of course, we're moving into a crisis of elder care, aren't we? So we absolutely need good training for that, too. Uh, And yet, again, the conversation isn't talking about these realities that our nation is facing. So it's up to us, isn't it, to change the conversation? I agree. And, you know, I wonder... um, we are so focused on the quote-unquote crisis. And in a time of crisis, um, there's a tendency to band-aid or to stop the bleeding in order to um, have some short-term repair. And it sounds like what you're talking about are really long-term principles by which you know we would want to live or values we would want to live by as a society. And so what do we do? How do we reconcile the the need to, quote, stop the bleeding and then make this huge shift into the caring society principles? Well, actually, I'm talking about both because the reality, as I've pointed out, and for people who are interested in this, I have an op-ed right now on both the Huffington Post and Common Dream um, on the subject. I also, on my own website, leoneisler.com, have a longer position paper on this with a lot of the reasons why, In you're quite right, of course, that we are talking about a shift in what kind of an economy do we want? Mm-hmm. And don't we really want one where the drivers are caring for people and caring for nature, in other words, for the real wealth of our nations. And I'd like to come back to that, but I also want to say loud and clear that if we indeed uh, provide training for jobs in child care, subsidize those jobs, create those jobs in child care, in early education, in health care, in elder care, and other so-called caring industries, as well as supporting caring work in homes, which the Nordic nations do, we actually quickly stimulate the economy. And the reason, there are a number of reasons, but one of them is first that these are areas that are low 
pay so that the people will immediately spend the money because they have to, right? I mean, if you don't have a huge surplus, you're going to spend that money. Sure. Uh, number, and and this, this is just a fact. Uh, this said, again, we need to make them higher pay, but even so, the money will be spent um, because uh, many of these jobs, women are concentrated in them, and we know, I mean, this is statistically been established, that women... Uh, in this country are in charge of 80% of the household basic purchases, which are the ones that really stimulate the economy. So again, we have hard data, empirical evidence that this is, see, we have this mindset that if we invest in caring, it's soft, it's ineffective. And what I have found in my research, and many others are finding too, and this is all in the Real Wealth of Nations in my book, which, by the way, just came out in paper, actually caring is much more financially effective both for the individual business and for national policy. Well, you know, um, what's happening right now in our media and the global, quote, economic meltdown, there seems to be a lot of rush to judgment, a lot of needing to blame. Um, Wall Street seems to be getting the, the bulk of the blame these days. Um, what do you think? I, I always think there must be something underneath that, right? You know, there must be more to that story than a few people who um, made bad decisions and drove, you know, and, and developed bad practices. What do you think is really beneath that that caused what we got to now? I think that when you look at systems, you really can't point to one factor. There's a variety of factors. We don't have good rules of the game. Uh, short selling, for example, is a disaster. In fact, as far as markets go, don't, don't I mean, what it really allows people to do is to bet that the market will go down, and by that bet, they're pushing it down. Right. So we've got crazy rules of the game, and that's just one small example. Uh, the way that I, but but see, it goes much much deeper because I mean, we could spend the whole program talking about how money is created. And it's created through debt, as you probably know. Uh, and oh, wait, wait a minute. Let's, let's stay on that for a minute because I think it's important for people to understand this. Say a little bit more about how money is created through debt. Well, most people, first of all, seem to think that the Federal Reserve is a federal agency because it says federal, but it's not. It's owned by banks, by big banks, okay? So it's private. Number two... The way that money is created is by banks, and it is by banks making loans. And most people think, well, they make loans from the deposits. No, they actually make loans that far, 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 and legally, again, bad rules of the game, exceed the deposits. So we've got really, when we're talking about bursting bubbles, it goes way, way, way down. But in terms of the derivatives of the speculation, we have a system that encourages speculation. And that doesn't have to be that way. I mean, because speculation does not create real value in any terms, not even in material terms, much, much less. 
in human and environmental terms. So my work really is about let's look at why we have such lousy rules of the game. Let's look at why, first of all, because awareness is so important, why we have so long devalued caring. You know, putting caring, I've put caring and economics in the same phrase, and people do a double take, don't they? They do. And isn't that a terrible comment on the values that we have learned to accept as driving economic systems? Because after all, economics is supposed to be about uh, human welfare and uh, human resources and human development and, and, and our natural resources. But again, so I'm really saying that a very basic factor here is the devaluation of anything that has been stereotypically considered soft, feminine, like caring, caregiving, when in fact, and this goes now into the larger issues that you wanted to talk about and I I also want to talk about, which is how do we really use this crisis as an opportunity to move towards the more realistic and the more successful in both the short and long term economic system that we need. And that is a great segue to our break. And when we come back, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We'll be back in a minute. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common, a commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers? Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime, Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. Parents, did you know that high school dropouts make 42% less than graduates? Someone will have to make up that difference, and chances are, that will be you. That means paying 42% of their groceries. Ooh, more candy. 42% of their dentist bills. No, no more candy. Even 42% of their therapy sessions. It's all my dad's fault. Save your money. Encourage your kids to stay in school. For help and advice, call 877-F-O-R-A-K-I-D. A message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations today. We're speaking with Rianne Eisler, an eminent social scientist who has recently released a paperback version of her best-selling book, The Real Wealth of Nations, Creating a Caring Economics. Rianne, we were talking in the, in the first segment about some of the realities of today's economic world and how we got here. And you're proposing that if we shift toward a different Philosophy, the very core principles of our society shift toward becoming a caring economics that we could revolutionize how we live and what's going on not only in the U.S. but around the globe. So give us some specifics, you know, about this concept of caring economics. How can we actually make this work? Well, uh as I said, my book, The Real Wealth of Nations, is really a roadmap uh, to exactly that, uh, to an economic system that really works for people and also for our planet. For I mean, we have a very curious way, for example. Uh, I can start with something very specific, the very faulty way that we have inherited for measuring economic productivity. And when I say inherited, this was human-made. We can change it. Uh, I'm talking now about measures that economists and policymakers use called gross domestic product, gross national product, GNP, GDP. And these measures, you know, they would be funny if the consequences weren't so serious because, for example, uh, they put activities that harm and even take life on the plus side, uh, making cigarettes, uh, the health costs, the funeral bills, they're all part of the plus side. In, and these measures are supposed to measure the health of our economy. Uh, oil spills are terrific for GDP. Uh, the cleanup costs, the lawsuits, the positions, the appeals, they're all on the plus side, but not only do these measures, as I said, supposed to be measures of our economic health, uh, put negatives on the plus side, but they fail to include as productive work the life-sustaining activities uh, without which there would be no economy, without which none of us would be here. Uh, by this, I'm talking about three economic sectors, the household economy, where, yes, the most important product of that economy are people at their, their uh, birth, their caring for them, uh, as both as children and as adults. And as I said in the first part of the program, the nations that have recognized this have, you know, Sweden, Finland, Norway, they moved from dire poverty by recognizing the importance of investing in this human capital uh, they have moved from dire poverty to extremely successful economies, but not only successful. They have less crimes and less poverty and a, the highest lifespans in the world. And they also have 
uh, it, it just, I mean, an amazing educational system where the kids in international tests really score very high. Uh, you know, I mean, they've invested in the right things. But let me continue, because it's not only the household economy, but also the natural economy. Uh, without it, we wouldn't be here either. And I think we also really need to understand that there's a third economic sector, the volunteer uh, a community economy. Now, if we have what I call a full-spectrum economic map, we have a much more realistic picture. And we can quantify, uh, because people will say, well, how can you possibly quantify the economic value of the work done in households, for example? Well, not only can you, but it's being done. For example, many nations today, because there's been not, it didn't happen by itself, it's because people pushed for it. You know, there are people who recognize that something is wrong, right? Yes, yes. I mean, many of us, and some people say, well, look, let's start with something simple. Like, what do we really measure? Because what's not measured, what's not counted, uh, is not supported. Uh, uh, so, so many nations now have what they call satellite accounts that do measure this. Of course, it should be part of the main event. But, for example, Switzerland, which is not exactly the most radical nation in the world, <laughs> uh, they have found that if the value of the household work, the work, the unpaid work done in households were included in Swiss GDP, it would constitute a whopping 70%, 70%, of the reported Swiss GDP. Ooh. Well, consider it for a moment. Uh, what really uh, would you have to pay if you had to go, I mean, just a very simple example, go out to restaurants every day. Right, right, right. If, if all the laundry had to go out. Uh, you know, I mean, just begin to consider everything that's done in households. Right. Uh, so the value keeps adding up. But that's just the beginning. Uh, and we do start with awareness. But then we also need to really look at what we already touched on, uh, look at the economic rules of the game, and most important, what are the values that have really driven the construction of the present rules? And we see again and again what I mentioned briefly, which is that we've inherited a devaluation, both conscious and mainly unconscious, of anything that is considered soft or feminine, whether it resides in a woman or a man. You know, men who are caring, they're considered sissies, right, wimps. Effeminate is a pejorative, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. So I mean, tell, me, tell us a little bit about the natural economy. I think most people can understand what the household economy looks like. But what is the natural economy? It's our life support system, for goodness sakes. I mean, under present rules, an old stand of trees only has value in GDP when it's cut down. But the fact that we can't breathe, right, without these trees is assigned no value whatsoever. Well, that is not necessary, by the way, and it's nuts. I wonder how many people remember from their fourth grade science class that we need trees to breathe. 
<laughs> well, it's you know my work is very much about connecting the dots. Many uh-huh. people have. Um, uh, I mean, I get many comments from people who have read my work saying it's transformed their lives. It's really empowered them. And one of the reasons, and I'd like to talk a little about that, is that it identifies two underlying social configurations. And you you know, strange as it may sound, you really cannot change economics without understanding that economics are part of a larger social system, aren't they? just like families are, uh, just like politics are, just like education is, uh, you see. And uh, the conventional categories that we're used to using to describe social systems like right-left, religious, secular, east-west, really don't give us the information. So I, because they don't show the patterns, the configurations that either support more caring and, yes, more successful uh, and more sustainable ways of living and making a living are the ones that get in the way. And so I, I have introduced two new social categories, as you know. Yeah. One is the domination system, and the other one is the partnership system. And it's always a continuum. You know, no society, no family, no company, uh, no government orients completely to one or the other, but the degree to which it does affects everything, including economics. And the problem is that we have inherited our economic systems as well as our economic theories, not only from industrial and even before that feudal and monarchic times that oriented much more to the domination side, but also uh, that the value systems that we've inherited from those times, uh, as I said, devalue anything that is associated with women or the stereotypically feminine, whether it resides in a woman or a man. So we we speak of Mother Earth, don't we? Yes. And if you look at both Adam Smith, and by the way, Adam Smith has been so misinterpreted. My gosh, I mean, he envisioned small companies competing with each other, not these huge you know, conglomerates and monopolies. Uh, but but Marx and Engels, as well as Smith, uh, really saw nature as something to be exploited, right? Truly. In the same way that they saw the household economy, uh, the caring work being done there as something to be exploited. Yeah, yeah. And that simply doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in human terms. It doesn't make sense in environmental terms. And especially as we shift to the post-industrial economy where human capacity development will determine either, you know, survival or not survival, actually, it, it, it's totally unsustainable. So we need a new economic theory. I call it partnerism rather than socialism or capitalism. It incorporates the partnership elements of both but goes way further to an economic system that gives visibility and value to the most important human work, the work of caring for people starting in childhood and caring for our Mother Earth. Well, you know... That is fascinating because I think that, as you say, we've devalued nature so much and yet it is so much more than what people may interpret it as. Um, people may look at it and say, well, we, we value nature. We, we, we have 
national parks. We think that's important, and we know the rivers need to be clean, and that's important. But you're taking this to a whole, a different level, much deeper. When we come back, I want to talk about the third level of the economy that you've mentioned, and that is the community economy. We'll be back in just a moment. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. This saves from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote, and then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. Our conversation this morning is with Rianne Eisler, the author of The Real Wealth of Nations. So, Rianne, let's move right into talking about the community economy. Explain to us what that is. I think we all really know what it is. I mean, when you live in a small town, and I do, uh, it becomes very clear. For example, we have a friend who became ill. Well, the whole network formed. People are driving her to the doctor. Uh, for free, obviously. We're not going to charge, right? Sure. Uh, making meals. I mean, my daughter, for example, one of my daughters has a friend who's in chemotherapy. Well, uh, my daughter is cooking all the meals for her, even though she has a job and her own children and her own family. That's the community economy. Now, in an, as with urbanization, of course, some of those bonds, although my daughter does live in a, in a city, uh, have become... 
uh, less visible, and it's morphed into sort of a an area that's somewhere between the market economy and the community economy, what we today call civil society. And I think you do know that all these non-governmental organizations, both in the United States and worldwide, I mean, they're the ones who are keeping millions, millions, possibly billions uh, alive and afloat. And yet, that is not counted as productive work. Well, there's something wrong, isn't there, with with the way that we determine what is valuable. And that's really uh, why we need to use this crisis. You know, there's that trite Chinese proverb that the same uh, ideogram uh, stands for both crisis and opportunity. Yeah. And it's true because... In times of disequilibrium, and we certainly are, we know from chaos theory that that's a time, now it could go backward, you know, but it's also a time when we could accelerate movement towards the partnership side. Obviously, we've moved to the partnership side. I mean, maybe I should explain, if we look at the European Middle Ages, which wasn't so long ago, just a few hundred years ago, they really oriented a lot to the domination system. They looked a lot like the Taliban. You know, yes. the Inquisition, the Crusades, the witch burnings. You know, whether you slowly burn a woman to death or slowly stone her to death publicly, it, it comes to the same. It's exemplary public violence to terrorize a subordinate group into submission. Women had no rights. Children were brutalized. Uh, and women and the feminine were so devalued that theologians even argued seriously about whether a woman has a soul. I mean, they said, no, only men have a soul. So let's go back to the community economy for a minute. My question um, that comes up for me as I hear you speak is, you know, we as a society tend to do pretty well when there's a crisis where people need our help. We tend to rally around them. We tend to do what is needs to be done. And I'm wondering, what does a community economy look like when there is no crisis, when it's simply day-to-day living? Well, it looks like a caring economy, and it Mm. isn't just that people help each other in the community voluntarily, but it is that the policies and the practices are more caring, because that's really what we're talking about. I mean, we don't have to go back to villages to have have more caring and by the way, some of those villages, if they oriented to the domination side, weren't so caring, okay? Yeah, I right. mean, they were very coercive and violent. But uh, let's go back to what you said. Look, uh, let's really look at the companies now that have more caring policies. Uh, we, I have example after example and statistic after statistics in the real wealth of nations showing something that, some people will say it's counterintuitive because they've been brought up to think, well, you know, caring, soft, uh, feminine, you know, we, we, it, it just isn't effective. The fact of the matter is, I'll just give you two examples. Companies that are in either the uh, Fortune 500 or the working mothers, this of the best companies to work for. You know, they have child care, they have telecommuting, uh, they have better benefits, uh, etc. They have a higher return to investors mm-hmm. than the Russell 3000 companies. Okay, 
Not only that, I'll give you another statistic. One study found that four companies that invested in child care, within four years, they had a 500% return on investment. You can't get better than that, can you? Who are those companies? Well, uh, the the child care ones, I don't have that in front of me, but I can give you some examples of highly yeah. successful companies uh, all the way from, uh, well, you probably know some of them yourself. I mean, the for example, uh, the there are market chains on the East Coast, uh, uh, Wingard Markets. Uh, very, their, their website, it says, you know, we care for our people. Right. Uh, I have a whole chapter in the Real Wealth of Nations uh, called Caring Pays. It pays to care in dollars and cents. And it has uh, everything from little companies um, to huge companies. Uh, And I'm going through my head trying to sort of find some of the uh, names for them for you. But... um, if you give me a moment, I will find some. Because well, you've talked about companies like Pepsi and Johnson & Johnson. You've well, talked Johnson about & Johnson certainly is one of the companies. But, you know, there's, there's much more. Um, there are companies, for example, uh, there's a software company that even has um, um, facilities for people to bring their kids for lunch where they provide high chairs. That's the SAS Institute, the world's largest privately held software companies. And they just have been growing exponentially. Uh, Now, we're in bad times, and people are going to start cutting those things, aren't they? And it is very, very Mm short-sighted, very short-sighted, because what – well, look, I mean – why why do you have such a return on investment? You have more you have less absenteeism. Uh you have retention of your good employees and you know how much it costs to retrain. And most important you have people who are there and who want the company to succeed yeah. because they're cared for. I mean it's all a matter of common sense, isn't it? I was looking for the name of a bank because you know we hear so much about these banks, and this is a bank that has the highest rating, but I can't seem to find it in my head. So let's just go on. People can read The Real Wealth of Nations and find the name of it. It'll be sort of a, a surprise <laughs> for them. Okay. Um, okay. But also um, in terms of nations, I've already mentioned the Scandinavian nations. Now, they've invested in all the things that, Right now, as the Senate is debating the job creation bill, the Republicans are trying to cut. And this, by the way, is not really a question of Republicans or Democrats, but it's a question of certain beliefs. I mean, uh, the, the failed idea that if you give people tax breaks, they're going to spend them, we have seen twice that that didn't happen. So why it should happen the third time is beyond me. But they're still talking as if it will happen. Whereas if you invest in, as I said, the caring jobs, uh, it'll get spent right away because these are the jobs where people really uh, need the jobs. They're not that high paid, and they spend the money. But 
the jobs that they want to cut are precisely child care, health care, education, and those are precisely the jobs that the Scandinavians have subsidized, subsidized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Not only that, you know, uh, I said that there is little poverty, hardly any poverty in the Nordic nations. Well, one of the reasons is because they give visibility and value to the work of caring in homes. So they not only have stipends to help families care for children, and they have a very low birth rate because they also have family planning, okay, and a high status of women. So women women are 40%, 40% of the national legislature. Uh, it's very interesting. As the status of women rises, so does the value given to the stereotypically feminine by men. Mm-hmm. So this is something we have to pay attention to, don't we? We absolutely do. You know, what the with our current situation and our new president, uh, Barack Obama, there seems to be a, a shift in thinking that, which speaks very much to what you're talking about. And I hear President Obama talking a lot about um, community and a lot about working together and how we're all going to have to pull together to make this happen. We're all going to have to do our part. And so he's, he's to me, what I see is that he's setting a standard. He's setting the bar. He's setting the bar higher than we've had in the past. Now, as I look at how also there is a tendency to, to turn toward um, the financial world and place a lot of blame in the financial world, um, some of it is due and some of it is not. Um, I, I wonder about, you know, if, if we really want to make this shift, can we continue to prop up some of the institutions that, may not be, that sounds like aren't holding any of the principles you're talking about in, in terms of a caring economic, um, and maybe got us there in the first place. You know, What is your thinking about that? Can we- well, I think it's a mistake to throw good money after bad. Any business person will tell you that. And I, I mean, I also have a, as you know, not only my background as a social scientist, but as an attorney and as an entrepreneur. I, I think that uh, you know, look, but but I don't want to get back to something here. Yes. We yes. have to change the rules of the game mm. because we have rules that actually privilege and reward bad behavior and that do not reward good behavior. And that sounds very schoolmarmy, but the truth of the matter is that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Yes. We're talking about caring policies or uncaring policies. Uh, now, we have some rules that, that presumably punish it, but they haven't been enforced. You know, for example, the FDA is supposed to, you know, look at the peanuts thing here. I mean, just like yeah. tobacco companies knew, these people knew that there was something wrong, and they still market it. Uh, I mean, there are some people who uh, simply uh, don't pay it by the rules, but it's largely because, as you pointed out, the value system, the leadership has not emphasized caring. Now, President Obama does, and he has a tremendous opportunity now to really provide leadership in this direction. This said, 
I think it's very, very important, though, that that be reflected in the kinds of... I mean, look, half a million people lost their jobs. We need job creation. The question is, what kinds of jobs, right? Right. And, yes, it's important that we invest in our material infrastructure, in bridges, in roads. And, yes, it's important that we have green jobs, which I consider an investment in our natural infrastructure. But, for goodness sakes, as we're moving into the post-industrial economy, and also because he's a caring person and he wants a more caring nation, uh, let's invest much, much more in the human infrastructure. I mean, let me give you another example from the well, Nordic nation. Hold that thought, okay. and we'll go to break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that example. Okay. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and... And pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. Our guest is Rianne Eisler today. Rianne, before we went to break, we were talking about um, what was happening in our own economic system, and you alluded to the concept of smoke and mirrors and how we've begun to throw good money after bad. You were about to give us an example. 
Well, um, I think that many of us today are aware that really uh, when you are talking about the contraction of a value of a stock by 40%, uh, it's because there was no real value in the first place, right? Mm. I mean, so we've, we've kidded ourselves into thinking that because the market was at 12,000 that we really had all of this wealth, but we really didn't. So let's get down to what we really value. This is an opportunity to do that, and many Americans are beginning to Say, wait a minute, what do we really value? Well, let me give you one example in terms of just the market economy. You know, the devaluation of uh, caring for children is so huge in our economic system that we pay the plumber, the person to whom we entrust our pipes, 50 to to $100 an hour, but the child care worker, the person to whom we entrust our children, According to the U.S. Labor Department, it's only $10 an hour on average with no benefits. And, of course, we insist the plumber be trained because how could we hand our pipes over to someone who isn't? But we don't insist in every state that child care workers be trained. So this isn't logical. It's pathological. And it's an opportunity to really look at how do we change the value system. And the way you do that, because that influences the structure of the whole institutions, right? Absolutely. So it's very simple. We, for example, have an opportunity that every one of us can participate in now. Write to your senator. Phone your senator, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, tell them that you want them to invest in the most important investment a nation can make which is our human infrastructure, that you want the jobs that are the caring jobs, health care, education, child care, elder care, that this will stimulate the economy, but it will also be a shift, demonstrate a shift to the kind of economy that we want and need where the driver aren't these illusory uh, paper profits, but what we care about, you know, human development, human welfare. And this is essential for the post-industrial economy because, frankly, we're so behind other nations in the industrialized world in Western Europe and especially the Nordics. And um, we have a much higher functional illiteracy rate. I mean, this is all known. It's there. So I'm suggesting be don't be reactive, be proactive. Use the real wealth of nations as a tool. Uh, send it to your legislator. Uh, go to my website, rianeisler.com. Download that uh, paper. It's a, it's a proposal for the job creation plan. Go to the Huffington Post or to Common Dreams. Use the op-ed on investing in human infrastructure. Uh, it, but, you know, these are very concrete, immediate steps. But there's something that you can also do uh, right away. Change the conversation. Start talking about the things that we've been talking about because, frankly, eventually we're going to have to talk about them. But I'm afraid we'll talk about them in hindsight and say, oh, well, why didn't we do something about it? 
You know, I'm hearing you say that we as individuals need to take responsibility for how what the outcome of this is going to be and not simply wait for our politicians or our organization leaders to do, quote-unquote, what's right and that we have to provide some guidance and some groundswell from where we are. Absolutely, and we at the Center for Partnership Studies, which is the organization that uh, was really founded uh, using the findings from my work, and a lot of books are coming out, by the way, now, using the partnership and domination systems as their context, but we will be launching in a month or so a Caring Economics Internet campaign. And I really invite people, it will all be on my website because we're building a brand new wiki website for the center. Uh, it'll be on my website again, Rian Eisler with two E's in the middle, dot com. Yes, we need to take responsibility and frankly, changing the conversation. I mean, I spoke about the Middle Ages. You know, the normative values there were fealty, obedience. And then people started to talk about equality, freedom, democracy. That was very important because it changed how we structure our institutions and our are basically the rules of the game. Well, let's start talking about caring economics in your workplaces. Uh, use the principles in the real wealth of nations. Uh, talk about these things in your PTA group. We want better schools for our kids, but this isn't only for our kids. It's for the economy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Rianne? Can we get there? Well, I wouldn't be doing this If I didn't think so, I've been called a practical visionary. (laughs) Uh, But I want to invite also business people and business executives to really become part of what I call an alliance for a caring economy. Uh, We can do it. On the other hand, it won't happen unless we do it. Unless we do it. And that is exactly what uh, the leader of this, Fairland, the U.S., uh, President Barack Obama is saying to us, you know, we have to take responsibility. We have to step up. You know, Rianne, you've really um, created a call to action for us, and that is leadership. You know, you have brought forth the information, brought forth the relevance. You have put it in terms where, you know, we as an individual and I as an individual can go and do something about this. And that is leadership. You've demonstrated throughout your life incredible leadership. And I encourage people to go back into our archives to listen to the first show we did with Rianne about a year ago, um, which talked a little bit about your history, which is fascinating. Um, so for more information about Rianne Eisler, please go to her website, R-I-A-N-E-E-I-S-L-E-R.com. And we will, of course, have this show in the archives, and you can download it from the business at Voice America, CherylEsposito.com, or at AlexaConsulting.com. Rianne, thanks so much for being with us today. It has been a privilege. It's always, as I said, a pleasure to be with you. Wonderful. Remember, everybody, to think big, because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Rise from your sleep, America.
Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.